Sober Experiment podcast by Be Sober with Alex and Lisa. Season three is sponsored by IPHM, an accreditation board for holistic therapists and training providers around the world. I'm Alex, one half of the Sober Experiment. And I'm Lisa, the other half. Hello. Hi. It feels weird today because this is our first working Wednesday where we've not worked. <laughs> You know, I've really struggled to work today. Hay fever has killed me off nearly today. I have been exhausted. I still don't know what's going on with my hair. Can you see? (laughs) It's like it's just been glued on. No, it isn't. It's dead weird. Anyway, should we talk about our guest for today, Brianne? Yeah, let's talk about it. So I've got um, a a proper intro here. (laughs) Are you going to read it and everything? I'm going to read it and everything. So (laughs) Brianna has a podcast called Secret Life, which helps her guests reveal a past or present secret and the pain and trauma that goes with holding a secret in every area of their life. She started the podcast after writing an article for HuffPost with over 1.6 million hits that shows doesn't it how many people have secrets you're definitely not on your own if you're holding one um, <laughs> I've got a few of you <laughs> yeah, definitely and I know yeah I can't wait to talk to her actually um, she's been a working actress for the last 20 years and likes to discuss addiction in Hollywood being married a parent an actress her novel Secret Life of a Hollywood Sex and Love Addict has just been released exclusively on Amazon and it's already hit bestseller in the first weekend. Oh, I know we weren't going to say all this, but she's also starred opposite Jake Gyllenhaal. I know, she's been in Lucifer and um, True Blood. And did you say Desperate Housewives? Yeah. I'm <laughs> oh so my God. excited. I might fangirl a little bit. <laughs> Shall we? Should we have a little stalk? <laughs> yeah, definitely. No, I am really interested. Um, I've not, we don't know whether she is actually sober. Might um, a clue. But we said, didn't we, like this series, we wanted to kind of do things a little bit different, which is why we had the gambling guard on, which was amazing. Um, so sex and love addict, I am really interested in this. I'm interested. Such a, I wish I was one, you know, and I don't know if that's even an appropriate thing to say. <laughs> no, and I think we might need to cut that bit out. <laughs> no, we don't. Can I just ask you about this though, Matt? Because I know very little and I know I'm, I'm, I'm kind of... Already. I'm sweating. <laughs> I know it is like a proper I mean obviously I'm being dead flippant and saying I wish I don't I don't wish I was an addict of anything because it's just horrific but yeah. wasn't Russell Brand a sex addict yeah. as well yeah and he had a really rough time with it didn't I'm suppose you do with any addiction but I'm, I'm just so intrigued I, I always you don't mind us delving like proper proper delving proper proper delving no I'm really excited about it here she is Brian, we're so excited. Thank you for joining us on the Be Sober podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm <laughs> very excited we've all been today. <laughs> yeah, well, like, honestly, we completely feel underdressed because we are on our podcast with a Hollywood actress. We were like, should we have done our hair or something? <laughs> oh, my yeah. God, I would have loved that if you guys had, like, on sequins and, like, a like red carpet look with your hair and makeup done. Oh, my God, that would have been amazing. Like <laughs> feather boas on the work. We've been like, what has happened to these two? Like, what is going on? 
<laughs> no, I actually probably would have loved it. I would have ran and like put on one of my red carpet dresses and my lipstick. Oh, Brianna, <laughs> do it. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously there's so much to tell and there's, there's so many things that you could start with. Mm-hmm. But, you know, let, let's start with your like, what came first? Is it the sex addiction or is it the Hollywood career? Let's start there. Unfortunately, I wish I could say that Hollywood gave me my addiction to sex and love, but it started so early. I remember at such a young age that I was boy crazy, that I was obsessed with like at at in second grade. I even remember like always trying to like play with the boys and like, oh, he's cute. So unfortunately, I think I just was born with this addiction. Addiction runs in my family. You know, when I did my tree, which a lot of people probably go back and do their tree, you know, where, where did it start? It was like my great, great grandfather was an alcoholic and a wife abuser. And then it just trickled down like, you know, a a rageaholic grandmother. My mom was a workaholic overeater. And then I just became a sex and love addict. So unfortunately, no, it wasn't Hollywood. (laughs) So, So did Hollywood kind of feed the addiction or was it just coincidental? Oh, no. Hollywood definitely amplified my addiction. I mean, I I talk about this in my book, Secret Life of a Hollywood Sex and Love Addict. My therapist literally told me, you need to quit your career. You pick the worst career for your addiction. Yeah. It's literally all you do every day is get rejected, get put on a pedestal, then get rejected, then get put on a pedestal. It is like the worst. And when I go on sets, especially when I was first getting sober, when I got, got go on sets, I'd be like, you're a sex addict. You're sleeping with the wardrobe girl. You're cheating on your wife. You're like, I used to like diagnose people, which is horrible, but I, my brain like couldn't help myself. I get that actually, because honestly, I do that with alcohol. Like yeah. I see people and I think, oh, you definitely drink red wine every night when you finish work or you do this. So I totally get it. So your game was actually much more interesting than mine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah because yours is just like, it's a chemical you know, addiction, it's a chemical disease. Mine is a progressive brain disease. So it gets worse and worse and worse. Every addiction gets worse and worse and yeah. worse. But but the thing is that's so gray about sex and love addiction, it literally hits every area in your life, every relationship, people on the street, your parents, your friends, your lover, your partner, whoever, because what happens is we don't have any boundaries. We use people to fill us. We look for attention and seeking validation through other people. We get addicted to people that are unavailable. Like I was addicted to friends that were unavailable. I would keep reaching out to a girlfriend And she's not available. What am I doing? And not talking about going on Instagram, wanting likes, wanting. So it's just very confusing. And so many people have it. And so I, you know, I will talk to somebody and I will know in 10 minutes if they have an issue with this. Like I just, (laughs) my brain doesn't, after over a decade of recovery, my brain just automatically goes there. Like, huh, something's not right with this person. (laughs) It's so funny. It's, it's not. It's not like funny, haha. But you know, it's so strange because at the beginning, obviously, I know nothing about a sex and, lo- and love addict. Genuinely, yeah. nothing about it. And at the beginning, I was like, I, I wish I had some of this, right? You know, because I, I did. I did say it, and I was being flippant. Obviously, I know it's an addiction. It's it's a, a concern. Right. But for, for me, I always thought that love addiction was as in 
a sexual nature, but you're talking in friendships. In- I'm talking to everything, girl. I'm talking with your parents having no boundaries with parents, parents saying certain things, emotional incest with wow. parents, which is meaning the parent is taking the energy from the child and making it about the parent when the parent's energy should be put towards a child, not the opposite. So it's like, you know, having really codependent relationships with your mother or your father. And, you know, for me, I had an emotional incestuous relationship with my father where he, you know, told me problems he shouldn't have told me my psyche at a young age was not capable of knowing like his problems with my mother and then him talking bad about my mother to me like that's abuse and then we're talking you know going for those unavailable people you know um cheating constantly being addicted to porn that's a huge one and you know the porn industry has blown up and it desensitizes our sexuality so a lot of young kids especially young boys are desensitized sexually so they're not able to get aroused they're not able to have commitment they look at relationships as porn that's fantasy and then for another one that people don't talk about in sex and love addiction that is rampant is wanting is living in fantasy like having these ideals of what a relationship can look like what in the movies the tv shows but what a real healthy relationship looks like is not the same so it's like it's a hogwash mess that our society, yeah, that our society has put on human beings and so many people suffer. They say in the United States, I'm just saying the United States, 6% are sex and love addicts. Wow. We're talking men and women. 38% of those are women. And this was a statistic that was seven years ago. And I'm telling you from the inside and an old timer in the program, it has blown up. Like the, the biggest community is in LA, then it's New York, then it's London, then it's Sydney. I mean, my, one of my sponsees went to a meeting in Bali. Like it's, wow. it's everywhere now. I can't believe just saying that, that there's a community. Yeah, this is what I'm like, what? because we're so into this sober community. And right. that to me was like a shock when I stopped drinking. I'm like, oh, wow, there's this whole community of people. I never even thought that there would be one for love and sex addicts. Yeah, I mean, the community is huge. I can't even tell you in a meeting the other day, we were had like 800 people on a Zoom meeting. And wow. it's not as big as, you know, AA or NA and the other chemical illnesses because I feel like there's no stigma anymore. If you say you're an alcoholic, like my husband, he's 32 years sober in AA. I can break his anonymity, by the way. He allowed me. Um, (laughs) But there's a lot of stigma about saying you're a sex and love addict. I mean, when I came out and wrote that article in HuffPost a couple years ago before the book came out, you should have seen the backlash I got. She's a whore. She's just a white girl using her looks. She, you know she's a young girl blah 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 I mean everything bad said about me and people be like I wish I met her when I when she was in her addiction and and I yeah I had to type back going oh you think it's hot to use people to fill you and give you your self-worth it's not and people I mean just yesterday a huge doctor in sex and sex um, a sex doctor that talks about intimacy and all this came out and said that sex addiction isn't real 
And I was so livid. I was like, first of all, that's not true. If you can be addicted to anything, you can be addicted yeah. to the internet. Yeah. You can be addicted to food. You can be addicted to porn. Why can't you be addicted to sex and love? Sex and love endorphins give off the same thing that cocaine does. And yeah, what yeah. people, right? As a young child or a young kid, what do people get attached to? Relationships first. Yeah you know, sexual fantasizing about love and all that stuff at a young age. That's the first thing we're addicted to is a person, somebody. So yeah. I just am trying to break down the doors of the stigma and be like, hey, I'm a female. I'm married now. I have a kid. I have 11 and a half years of recovery in sex and love addiction. It's not just men that have this disease, men that cheat on their partners and then get caught and then go into sex rehab. Like this is a whole community people need to start talking about. Absolutely. So what, I mean, obviously you can tell how curious that we both are about yes, this. Yes, I'm so I mean, excited. <laughs> well, you know what, it's, it, honestly, for me, it's an, and I know for Lisa as well, it's an absolute revelation because obviously we've heard of Russell Brand's sex addiction and we've heard, mm -hmm. you know, you've heard about it, but you don't really, because it doesn't affect you as an individual, I, and then this is why I said it. I was like, oh my God, that must be amazing. It's not amazing at all. It must be actually really horrific at times for you. Oh my God, it's the worst. First of all, let me just tell you, we had somebody come in yesterday in AA for 32 years and he said, I have been dreading coming to this room. Like people have been telling me I have a problem with relationships and I probably need to come into SLAW. That's Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous. We're based on 12 steps of AA. And he said, it took me 32 years to walk into this yeah. room. And they say, you know, AA is the last house on the block. I'm sure you guys have heard that whole saying. Slaw, that's the nickname for Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous, is the shack in the back. Like, no one wants to go to. Like, it's the last place you want to go to. And we had a heroin addict come in when I first got sober. And he said, I can quit heroin, but I can't quit her. I cannot break up with her no matter how much shit she puts me through. I cannot break up with her. And you just think about it. Think about yourself. Think about your friends in your life that go back to bad relationships over and oh, over yeah. again are constantly on Instagram somewhere DMing some rando and having a little thing with them or cheating or multiplying relationships. For me, I would like get into a relationship and then after a year and a half when the butterflies and the first love and the first high, the first touch, the first sexual act, the moment I didn't feel that high anymore, I would start like looking for my next victim. Like yeah. who can I find? And then I'd start a relationship with them while I was getting at another relationship. So it was like relationship on top of relationship. But just to think about it, think about all the people in your life that you're like, oh, they went back to them or what are they doing? They're dating like seven people and they're not connected to another person. So it's it's everywhere. Just think about it. Can I take you back a little bit to the beginning? Please. When you found this out, because I'd really look, because you're so lovely talking about it now and you're loud and you're proud about it. And this is what we need to remove the stigma around things like this. But how did you find it at first? Like, take me right back to when you realized like, wow, this is it. I do have a, a sex addiction. No. Oh, yeah. It was just like the lowest of the low. Like I was at my worst bottom. And when I write about it in Secret Life of a Hollywood Sex and Love Addict, I put a lot of my bottoms in it. And bottoms, if you don't know, are like 
what an what an alcoholic has on that moment where they have that moment where you're like wait a second am I gonna do this again and then you do it anyways and then you're like I'm in the same place or worse off but you know what happens a lot it takes a long time for a sex and love addict to realize they have a problem so you hit a lot of bottoms because it's not as clear as alcohol and drugs um so for me, and I write about this in the book a lot, and I do it in more of an entertaining way, but for me, the when I really got help, I was in a new relationship, living with my boyfriend. We'd been together for a year and a half. I loved him as much as I could love another person, right? Like I was capable of. I respected him as a person. I realized a lot of people I, I was with, I actually didn't even like as people. Like they were yeah. just not... You know, you get out of a relationship and you're like, I didn't even really like that person. You know, you have those thoughts. And and I remember uh, this mentor of mine passed away suddenly of a heart attack in the business. And I found myself two days later on location shooting a movie about, about to blow up my relationship once again. And I it was with someone I didn't like. He was rude to waiters. I just didn't oh. like him. And he wasn't even that attractive. You know what I mean? Like you just look yeah. at somebody and you're like, what? Why do I like this person? And so here I was on location across the country shooting a movie. And I had this moment. I was looking in the mirror and I was in a holiday inn, you know, in the middle of nowhere in the dark. And I looked at myself in the mirror and I said, oh my God, am I going to be doing this the rest of my life? Am I always going to be jumping from one relationship to another, looking for this perfect person, this soulmate that will like be everything that will fix me. And I just had that moment, like, am I literally going to be on my deathbed, never connected to another soul? Like something really has to be wrong with me. It can't just be all these men not giving me what I need. And I talk about this through Roxanne, the character that she would like fantasize about taking three guys and molding them together and saying, if these three guys were molded together, it'd be the perfect person. But that's obviously not a very sane thought. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I called my friend and she said, hey, you you should talk to my therapist when you get back. So I was coming back the next day. I talked to her therapist. I went in and she said two things to me. The first thing she said was, after 20 minutes, we're talking, 20 minutes, she said, you wear the mask of a high-class prostitute, one of my other clients. And I was like, wow. First of all, lady, I just met you like, F off. Like I really wanted to say and like walk out, like I'm spending $200. It wasn't even through insurance, like for an hour. I was like, I'm getting abused. And I like started going off on her. And I said, I have never had a one night stand. I have never had many sexual partners for my age. I started like defending myself and she's like, Hmm, but there's a secret and I don't know what it is yet. So we kept talking. And then she goes at the end, she goes, Oh, I know what it is. You're a sex and love addict. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, that's a guy thing. That's a made up thing. I, I, I'm not going around fucking everybody. Like, it's not like that. I just can't find a partner 
blah, blah, blah. And I kind of keep cheating. And like, I was making excuses and she made me go through the 40 questions and there's these 40 questions. And if any of this resonates, please go online, type. Oh 40 God, don't, don't, I'm already scared. <laughs> oh my God. I'm going to write this down. Go on. Yes. I'm already scared because I spent a lot, honestly, and I'm not even just saying this and Lisa will confirm. I spent the first 30 years of my life going from relationship to relationship, to relationship, to relationship. Yay, you're, I have a seat for you next to me. You can come join me. It's so scary because I think so many people will. I'm will like this say, now. Oh my God. When I say so many people will relate, I'm, I'm sat here thinking, am I saying that for them or am I saying it for me? And for, do you know what I mean? Like I'm listening and going, Mm. you're like wait a minute Mm. that's the thing that is why I spoke out because every time I've had a conversation or been of service or mentioned it to somebody is suffering in some kind of relationship family not family they are like oh shit I do that. Like I reach out for people to fix me. I'm always looking for a soulmate. I'm living in fantasy. I watch Netflix wanting my life to be like this movie. Like it is rampant. I listen to a love song and I'm like, oh, I want my life to be like that. Those are the things. I'm sold on this. I'm telling you, this is me. Oh my God. Well, I'll send you the book so you can read my book. I will I literally send you guys it. the book. Please do. Do you, do you know yes. what it is, though? What I'm realizing as you're talking about it mm-hmm. is this very little difference between sex and love addiction, alcoholism, and food addiction, because not necessarily the alcohol one, actually, but the others, you kind of need them. You need love. You need yeah. sex. You need food. Mm-hmm. You, you need all of those things. So it's really hard to kind of do it in moderation, isn't it, I guess, because you need it. So you, you, yes. you, and you can't be an all or nothing. You can't just, you know. So I guess in that yeah. sense, it's very different than drinking and drugs because you you shouldn't be trying to moderate drinking drugs okay but on the other sense it is just filling an emotional hole isn't it yes I mean it really is it's the same thing as drugs and alcohol smoking eating gambling shopping all those addictions all those isms that we do not to feel our feelings it's all the same underneath all of those are fear of abandonment fear of not being loved fear of not being worthy fear of intimacy all that sits underneath every addiction and self-sabotage oh yeah of course I mean we're addicts we're like let's out like my life's going well where can I fuck it up like you (laughs) you know or your life's to shit and you're like where can I fuck it up? It's like staying in that middle where you're not high or you're not low. And that's the same thing for a sex and love addict. And it's so much easier to understand alcohol and drugs and smoking and all that because you just don't do it. It's very black yeah. and white. Like just stay away, don't do it. But with the sex and love addiction and with eating and with debtors anonymous, with money programs, we have to eat, use money, and have relationships with people. Even if it's just walking down the street, interacting with people, what happens is, so how you work the program is you have bottom lines. So for me, really easily, my bottom lines were, you know, no cheating outside a relationship, no talking, emailing, or texting any man whatsoever. Do not have any guy friends. I got rid of all my guy friends. It looked like this. The first year, two years of my sobriety, I literally would go to a restaurant and look down while I ordered my meal because I realized every time I interacted with the guy, 
I gave off that energy, that sexual flirtatious energy that I thought, oh, that's just my personality. I'm just fun. Mm-hmm. Like I flirt with everybody. <gasps> oh my God, you're so describing me and Lisa. And <gasps> yeah, but that's <laughs> not true because what I was doing is I was walking around in this world, raping everybody for their energy. Yeah. Give me attention. Give me validation. Give me that flirtatious energy so I can feel whole. And when I didn't get that, if I walked down the street and I didn't have someone try to hit on me, I'd be like, wait, something's wrong with me today. Maybe my hair is not great. Maybe I should cut it. Maybe I should wear something else. Everything I did was to get attention constantly. And when I walked into my first meeting, which I talk about it in Secret Life of a Hollywood Sex and Love Addict, is I sat with 30 people. This was over like 12 years ago. I sat with 30 people, all walks of life, every ethnicity, every sexual orientation, you know, a CEO, an A-list celebrity, a janitor, a school teacher, like, you know, in AA, it's like every single type of person. And every person in the room said something that I thought, felt, or did. And for the first time... Yeah. And I sat there crying, which I don't cry in person (laughs) with people. I sat there and I thought, oh my God, I'm not broken. There's nothing wrong with me. I just didn't get the tools how to have healthy relationship because it wasn't modeled for me as a child. And it's as simple as that. What a relief. I know. And I'm actually blown away by this. I want to know what some of these questions are. Can you remember any of the 40 questions? Oh my God, I should pull it up right now while we were talking. But I usually know them by heart. Um, So type in 40 questionnaire, Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous. It's a self-diagnosed questionnaire. I'm pulling it up so we can, I can read some of them to you. Oh my God, I'm so excited to read these. (laughs) (laughs) We'll put a link in the... uh, Yes, I'll send you the link, you guys. I'll send yeah, it I do. To you. Yeah. Okay, okay here on. we go. go. Here we you go. Ready, Lisa? We're, oh. being, we're being yes and unknowing now. Are you going to be honest? So you guys got to say yes or no. And then okay. at the end, I'll tell you my number. So they're 40, obviously. Okay. So okay. here we go. Have you ever felt like you had to have sex with somebody? Yes. yes. Do you believe that someone can fix you? I used to. I used to, no. Okay. Oh, wait. You're supposed to answer it your whole life, not just right now. Because sometimes what like happens is trauma comes up like for me and then those old behaviors stem up. So you're supposed to answer it for your whole life. If you've done it once, just say yes. Okay. Yes, then. Okay, good. (laughs) Okay. Do you feel desperate about your need for a lover, sexual fix or a future mate? They're quiet. Do you know why I'm quiet? I'm going to have to say yes. I'm going to have to say yes. And the reason I was quiet is because I was trying to figure out desperate. But yeah, (laughs) because I was never out of a relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Well, then if you're if you're always going from relationship to relationship, there's usually a desperation about that. (laughs) Well, then it's a definite. definite, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'm going to read a couple more. Do you find yourself unable to stop seeing a specific person, even though you know that seeing that person is destructive to you? Yes. 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 And yes. Okay. Do you get high from sex or romance? Yes. Yes. Okay, last one, guys. Have you had sex at inappropriate times in inappropriate places yes. and or with inappropriate people? Yes. yes. <laughs> okay, so ladies, I feel like I'm a teacher right now, ladies. It says if you get more than five yeses, this might be something for you to look into. But let These me. We're just- already on six. <laughs> yes, so you're on, on six. six. 
So for me, when I filled this out with my therapist that first day, I remember filling it out and being like, am I going to answer these truthfully in front of this woman I just met? And I answered them. And in chapter three, I say my number at the end, which I'll just give to you guys right now. I got a 38 out of 40. Wow. So I was like, wow, this is telling me. And I drove on the 101 in LA. If you've ever been on it, it's so much traffic, crying, hysterically, like ugly crying, right? Like me. Oh. <laughs> the snotty I crying. I imagine you ugly crying. <laughs> no, I can't. Like I was the ugliest, like uh, red <laughs> nose. And I called my live-in boyfriend and I told him, she said, I'm a sex and love addict. And he was like, what? Like he couldn't hear me. And I was like, she said, I'm a sex and love addict. I get home and he highlights, he prints and highlights all the meetings I could go to in Los Angeles. And that's the first night I went to a meeting. And I'm just going to say, that's my husband today. We've been together. Oh, Oh, that can be goose pimples from my head to my toe then. That's so lovely. Oh, I'm so glad you're still together. (laughs) Yeah, we've been together 16 years. And it's here's the thing that I like to say is, I didn't go through this program to find my perfect partner, to find someone to complete me. I went through this program and a lot of people do and went through this, you know, withdrawal that was nine months crying every day. It was brutal. I felt like I was dying every day. And I found myself. That's what it's really about. Finding that self-love, finding that worth. So if my husband left me today, after 16 years, and we've been through some shit, (laughs) if if he left me today, I would be okay. I couldn't say that, you know, 11, 12 years ago. Like I would feel lost and empty and incomplete, you know? So that's just important for me to say. It's not about finding a perfect partner. It's about finding yourself. You are your own fucking soulmate. Like you are the one that live and die with yourself. No one is going to die with you. No one is born with you. You are the only person. And if you don't love yourself first, how's anybody else going to love you? I wonder whether some of the work we've actually done through getting sober from alcohol has just accidentally attacked some of these things because yeah. I already know that and feel whole. And, and I'm, I'm very much like you. I've always, my whole life, in that sense, mm-hmm. wanted to be in a relationship. And as much as I would hate my husband to not be with me because I just love being with him, I would be okay nowadays. Whereas I wouldn't have been able to say that 10 years ago. No way. Yeah. Yeah, well, it does. The 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 I worked the pro the rope way I worked Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous. I worked it through the AA Big Book. Yeah, I did Herb K mm-hmm. that whole program through AA. So you do work the same things. You know, you go through the fear inventory, you go through the sex inventory. But if you just look at your life right now, even if you're sober, if you have drama in any areas with any people, that's still usually a sign you have some things to work on. Oh, geez, I've got work to do. <laughs> oh, we've constantly got work to do, haven't we? That is constantly, never bloody ends. I know. I was like, when is this onion done peeling people? Like, I don't want to go through any more layers of, of working on myself. But here's the thing. It's like, I now don't carry on those addictive behaviors 
for my son, my three-year-old yeah, son. Yeah. I have really strong boundaries with him. He's not, I don't use him to film me. I don't say, give mommy a hug. She's having a bad day. Like that's not his job yeah. as a three-year-old to give me a hug because I'm having a bad day. And he's also not allowed to talk to me if he's acting kookadoo, you know? Like you can't talk to me like that. That's abusive. I say that to my son. I said, that's abusive behavior, Davis. You can't talk to me like that. Mommy's not gonna put up with it. I'm going to walk away now. Like I talk to him yeah, like he's in the program. <laughs> I think it's good to have boundaries with your yeah. children, however, whatever they are. It is really good to have boundaries. I've got a five-year-old. I've got three children. Lisa's got three children. Um, oh my God. My youngest That's is five. Awesome. And, you know, he's he's a really loving child, a really loving child, but he's not needy. You know? He's not he's needy? No, not at all. He's very right. independent and he's kind of, if he wants a hug, he'll say, can I have a hug? Can never cuddle, yeah. but he's not kind of like clinging off you all the time. It's quite healthy, I think. <laughs> oh, but my son is really sensitive. Like he feels everything. So it's being able to allow him to have those emotions and not shame him to be like, why are you I... trying to stop crying? But he's very sensitive and he loves to hug and all that. But I also have to say, you know, like you're allowed to sit in your room and feel your feelings. And when you're done, I'll give you a hug, you know? It's just having so those good. boundaries, even with a three-year-old, is 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 taxing at times. And I'm so glad I am sober because I couldn't imagine. Oh, can you imagine having? Oh gosh, no! Sober? Oh my god, you guys, that would be torture. I always <laughs> say, don't they traumatize people, traumatize others. So it's just yeah. as well, yeah. I love how, um, how parenting changes so much for people that have come out of addiction. It'd be really funny to kind of hear all the kids of people who was in addiction talk, talk to each other about boundaries and that it's okay to feel your feelings. They'd be like, oh, was your mum an addict too? <laughs> totally. It's true. We'd be like, we probably do. I mean, in the in the rooms, you still hear people like this happened and this happened and this. everybody in the room is like, yeah, that's happened to me. We've all had that done, you know? Yeah. <laughs> is your book on Audible? It is on Audible. Oh, pure torture. Just imagine reading your worst of your worst acting out. Like it's detailed. It's sexually yeah. detailed. It's very graphic. It's put out there. I had an old timer in the program read it, which made me really nervous. But it, he said it was like one long share. So it's eight and a half hours auto, audible. I'm book. getting it. I'm getting I, it. I'm sending it to you. I'll send it to you so you can hear it. Like it is pure torture it felt like someone was stabbing me in the eyes while I was reading it like it was just painful to like say these things out loud and it is fiction so it was a memoir but I made it a Roma Clef fiction which it's like self-help chick lit like the books I like to read like Devil Wears Prada so it takes you behind the scenes of Hollywood and all the showmances and people like I changed everybody's name. I can't be sued. So try to guess who I'm talking about. It's like I a fun cool. game. We won't say it. Like, we won't say it. <laughs> yeah, but like, it's like a fun game. Like who's cool girl? Who's superstar? Who's tattoo girl? Everybody has like a name. And I just really wanted the reader to get into the mind of what it is to be an addict where you say, I'm not going to do this and this. And then two seconds later, you're doing it. And the thought process of what during the act, what's going on in the addict's head and how disconnected. And I just wanted to help people understand this disease because for the last decade, every book I read is 
so academic. It's so clinical. Yeah. I, would, I would really read a page of love addiction or sex addiction or sex and love addiction and be like, ugh, and throw it against the wall. It was like <laughs> you get to that year. point, don't you? you right? get it's to like, that point. like even the A big book. Sometimes I'm like, ugh, and I'm not even an alcoholic, but I, it's just just torture. <laughs> So I wanted to write something that was so entertaining. It's like a movie. It's like a TV show of this character, Roxanne, that you go through her first year of getting recovery in sex and love addiction and entertains and takes you on a ride and a normie can get it. But in the back, I'm trying to educate. I'm trying to make it as simple. And here's the most beautiful thing that happened. After I recorded it and I was done and I just, I think I ate like three bags of chips during recording. Like it was, I was definitely eating my Oh, I'm not listening if you're crunching. (laughs) (laughs) It was in between. Well, somebody said when you record an audible book, because you're recording for so long that if you eat potato chips, the salt helps your mouth stay like relax. Wow. So I was like, I'm taking bags of potato chips every day. <laughs> like I was like using it as an excuse. Like I'm doing this for my voice. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, my mom called me. She read it. Oh, if you read this book or listen to it, imagine your mom reading. This oh, book. God, mom and-, and there's inner child stuff, you know, chapter five, six and seven. If you re- were the worst to rewrite and rewrite and rewrite, it goes oh, back into the why walking through the fire and and making it burn just to like burn yourself to pieces to start new. It just literally compare and despair. There's a whole chapter on compare and despair. And my mom read it and she called me on FaceTime and my husband was with me and I answered it and she was crying. And I was like, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. Because there's some graphic stuff about our relationship. Some of it is made up. A lot of it is real, I'm just going to say. And she said, for the first time in a decade, I finally understand your addiction. Oh. Oh. And the overwhelming... Like warmth and like somebody really seeing you, especially as a parent, like really seeing you like overtook me and I couldn't speak. And then she said, these are the words that were like nailing coffin. She said, and I've done some of the things you've did. And I was like. And I like, couldn't, I was like, thank you so much. Like, I just couldn't like emotionally go there. And she was like, I'm really proud of you. And we got up and my husband started crying with, and she's crying. I'm not crying. And I get off the phone and I turn to my husband and I go, (laughs) it was like my inner child, like my little, little Brianne was like, my mom, these, like, it was just, oh, stop it. It was such a beautiful healing moment for me that that made the book, writing the book worth it. Cause I never wanted to write a book, you know, like I was not interested in breaking my anonymity. Uh, you know really? what? This whole podcast is like a collection of oh, who, oh, that's all you're gonna hear. Is the, it's like yeah, I really can't believe how many noises are coming out of us, Lisa. <laughs> what was it then, Brian, that helped you break your anonymity? Don't worry, I'm dyslexic and have ADHD. I do that all the time. <laughs> So yeah, that's like the big, why did you do this? Why are you going to ruin your career after 20 years of a working actress? You know, like uh, uh, the day that the HuffPost article came out 
and I decided, well, the moment that I really decided I was working with a 20 year old in the program and all these young kids kept coming in. If you're under 18, if you're listening, you can't go into the rooms, you can go online and there's stuff for underage, but all these younger generations are coming in addicted to porn, like I said, addicted to over-sexualizing on social media. So cannot find, you know, connection, companionship, always like searching and searching and filters and filters and not just living in this not reality, right? And I and I think it's gonna be, re- it's an epidemic right now for the younger yeah. generation. I can't imagine having social media oh, God. when I was 13 years old. Can you guys imagine? Like, yeah. Oh my God. I don't like it now. (laughs) No, I don't either. I have to have really strict boundaries with, with social media because I can get triggered and I go into compare and despair and I'm not good enough. And, you know, my looking at my insides to other people's outsides. So anyways, that was happening. And I just felt this when I got my 10 year chip and I had that gold chip in my hand and I was looking at it, this overwhelming feeling of being of service on a bigger level. And it was like, no, I need to be of service. So I started speaking all over the world. I started doing 45-minute shares on all these machines and, and recovery centers. And I started, people wanted me to sober coach them. And I started doing that. And then what happened was I you know, decided to write an article for HuffPost. And the morning it came out, I kid you fucking not. Like I was, <laughs> what am I doing? The world is going to be end. Like my career's over. People are going to hate me and judge me. Like all these thoughts that morning. And I was like, oh no. And then it dropped. And two hours later, nothing happened. It was like such... (laughs) Like a big anticlimax. Right? Nothing happened. My ego, I was like, okay, lady. Like you're like this small on the planet. Like let's humble ourselves. No one actually cares. Like get your ego out of the way. But here's what did happen. I got for weeks, I got so many people reaching out to me saying, oh my God, I've done that. Oh my God, my mom did that. Or my dad did that. Or my cousin is like that. My boyfriend, my husband, whatever. And I just, it's just started flooding in every day. And I said, wow, this is like what I need to do. And that's why I started my podcast, Secret Life, to have other people share their secrets, all walks of life, like someone suicide, you know, using abortion as birth control, body dysmorphia for men, like every kind of secret you can imagine. And while I was doing the podcast, I was rewriting the book and I just like... I read the book the other day and I was like, whoa, this is actually really good. And my husband looked at me and he goes, yeah, you wrote it. And I said, I don't remember writing it because I honestly believe you guys, I didn't write the book. I didn't do the podcast. Like it's something bigger than me. I get that. Uh, It's not me. Like this is when I look at the book, it's not me. This is not about me. It's really not. And I think, um, I think that's why I did it because God was like, okay, now, now time to suit up and show up lady. Like, are you going to put your ass on the line and help other people? And I said, you know, yes, I, I, I go where I'm wanted, not where I'm not wanted anymore. Oh, Honestly, I, yeah. there's another noise. Oh, oh, oh. oh I love the noises. And Alex normally says this, but honestly, this by far is my favorite, favorite podcast. I could speak to you and, well, this is why you did so well in your career, because I could just watch you and speak to you all day. And thank you. It's all that. 
remember like sharing your story and being honest and getting to the point where you was like yeah I'm gonna do this because the world does need to hear it the stigma does need to be removed and it takes incredible brave people like you to be able to do that and I'm so honored that you've um it's made me dead emotional I'm really honored that you've shared your story with us thank you oh you're gonna make me cry I'm gonna make myself cry it's <laughs> no, but that's why I also I love recovered addicts. Like I love people that have walked through that fire, like been to the darkest of the dark and are on the other side. And these kind of conversations with two amazing women that have been there ha- that know that we are not alone. There's no judgment. You cannot tell me anything that I haven't done, said, yeah. or already heard from somebody. Yeah. Like you are not a bad person. You might have done bad things, but that doesn't define us as humans. And we're all flawed and we're all in this together. And just having these conversations and me being able to be like, hey, this is how it was for me. And for both of you to be like, oh shit, like I kind of do that sometimes. Then can you imagine if the world would do that? And it's like, when we're in our addiction, the ripple that goes out, the people we use, we hurt, just they hurt other people. And it goes on and on and on. And what I'm trying to do is now create the ripple of helping others. So if I help you to look at something, then maybe you take it to your children or your significant other or friend. And it's like, we can all heal together. And that's why... I'm so grateful to be on. I could literally talk to you guys for hours and hours, it feels like. Honestly, I, I, I don't want it to end. I really don't want it to end. And you know, at the beginning when I said, oh, I wish I had that. Now I've kind of realized I have. You need, just one little takeaway for people. Please be careful what you wish for. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> right? You were, you're like, that sounds like a fun addiction. I'm like, yeah. oh, really, let's talk about it. <laughs> you know what, though? In, in, in all seriousness about, about this, I think that you come on and to share something so deep and so personal. And it is, it's a huge thing to kind of, obviously, both of us realise that you must have been to hell and back with it, you know, Ugh. and and to come on a podcast and share it and tell people and, and normalise it. And I love the way that you do with your addiction, what we do with ours, which is kind of make fun of yourself and make light yeah. heart of yourself and just see that, you know, I'm out of it. It's... it's true healing isn't it as well yeah and it is and I just think people really need to take this seriously I mean the last thing that's really important for me to say that I haven't said is more people commit suicide over relationships more people lose their sobriety in AA and NA over relationships every recovery center I've ever spoken at says the number one reason people lose their sobriety is relationships more people watch a dateline every single dateline is about a love triangle or someone cheating on somebody and they kill. I spoke at jails for two and a half years. And I talk about this in the book. Roxanne goes to jail. That's what I say. Roxanne goes to jail. <laughs> I not wait to read. Oh my God. Book. You're going to die. I, I, like, I want to know Roxanne. We're like, I didn't read it before because now I'm really like excited to do it. Sorry. Go on. <laughs> oh no, but you're going to like Roxanne goes on the red carpet. Roxanne goes on set. Roxanne goes on a date with the guy that she's always loved. Roxanne on a love triangle. I mean, just the first chapter alone is going to like be like, holy shit. But yeah, follow Roxanne and her journeys. Um, But the point is, I spoke in jails for two and a half years. Every single female in the LA County jail downtown was in there for attempted murder because of her partner. 
robbery, drug selling, doing drugs because of someone she was in love with and doing it with. And I just feel like if we can break the stigma, if we can stop looking outside of ourselves for those things to fix us, whether it is shopping, whether it is, you know, putting on makeup, trying to like get that person to love us. It's like, let's just all just love ourselves first. Like that is the most important. And that's why I wrote the book. And that's why I'm on talking to you guys. And I'm so glad. I'm so glad that I am not alone. And you both, you know, said things you're like, oh, I've done that because the moment I'm like, oh, this is my tribe. These are my people. We both do feel really connected to you. It's been absolutely lovely. I'm like really blown away by it because I just didn't expect it to be like this at all. Oh, I'm so grateful, honestly. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. And what we'll do is we'll make sure that all your links are available and we'll put down the link for that 40 questions as well because I know as a listener, I'd be like, right, where is it? I am doing that quiz. Well, you do. You both need to do the quiz. I'm going to yeah. send you all the links so you don't have to look for them and you have to tell me what numbers you get. Right, we will right, do it. We'll do it. Absolute deal. Will you just stay on as we say goodbye now? Just yeah, yeah. minutes of the end but thank you again for coming on it's been absolutely lovely oh thanks for having me